Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. Um, I am fishing solo here today, and uh, the reason for that is is my cohort on the, on the broadcast, Don, is <clears throat> out enjoying nature as he is, has given an antelope tag, and, and he is now off hunting antelope for, uh, for this time being. And so we have an opportunity to sort of take a pause on, on what we were doing with the uh, um, Augsburg Confession, and we'll be back at that next week. Uh, but what I wanted to do is, is spend some time here today um, and and actually play for you a pre-recorded um, discussion that that uh, not really a discussion at all, just a pre-recorded uh, rambling of my own thoughts um, upon the call. October is uh, a Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, what a wonderful way to uh, sort of be reminded as to what it is that we call our pastors to do, than to maybe have a little bit of a, a study on. Um, the call of our pastors, what it is that they are called to do for us in our congregations. And so what I wanted to do is is give that opportunity for you to maybe take a listen to to what was sort of pre-recorded on that part. Um, <clears throat> please, uh, before we get into that, just let you know our our basic stance on things. This is our ramblings. These are our thoughts. They don't necessarily... Um, express the views and opinions of our calling bodies, as well as the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, of which we are a part. If there is something that offends you, by all means, please turn it off. If there is something that you question, don't hesitate to ask. Um, and if you'd like to continue the conversation with us at any time, find us at our congregations um, or reach out through our website, uh, which is uh, uh, fireside.fm, um, and then just casting nets, pod, um, you can find us through the, the Fireside website there, uh, or you can find us and, and, and add a comment through our Apple page if you are using Apple Podcasts. <clears throat> but please just let us know that you have a, a question for us, and we'll be more than happy uh, to answer those for you. Now, without further ado, we will uh, sort of introduce this, this topic on the call, um, and you will once again hear uh, a previously recorded um, conversation I have with myself. So I hope you enjoy it, and uh, we will talk to you next week as we continue our look at the Augsburg Confession. As we have an opportunity to gather and talk more uh, about general topics and ministry and things of that nature, I thought it would be great for us to maybe have a, a, an opportunity to discuss what has been labeled uh, Pastor's Appreciation Month, which is October. October is is this Pastor's Appreciation Month, and it's a, a, a an interesting time when people are asked to maybe go to their pastors and say thank you for the work and the service that they have done. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity to maybe talk about the call, the call of a pastor, what it is that they do, what is it that they're supposed to do, and how do they interact in some way with the congregation in which they serve. As we've had opportunity in past times, we've, we've really talked about doctrine, we've talked about 
uh, prayer. We've talked about a numerous multitude of things. But I don't think we've ever really talked about the pastor. Now, the pastor is almost somebody that you would think doesn't really need a lot of explanation, right? He's somebody who leads the congregation uh, during worship service. He's somebody that teaches Bible class. Depending on your denomination or church body that you are affiliated with, the pastor will maybe or maybe not go and visit shut-ins or go in and visit the hospitals when their members are sick. But what is it that he is called to do, and why is it that he is called to do it? That's really the question of the call itself. Scripture tells us that we are all together, that the church itself is a body of believers, and that we all have the, the ability to share the message of Jesus Christ, that we all have this opportunity to, to pronounce the forgiveness of sins to one another. That's what is called the body of believers. Uh, we're called a, a holy royal priesthood uh, in the words of Peter as he spoke from 1 Peter chapter 2 when he said, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wondrous and wonderful light. So we are all called to be this proclaimer of, of the gifts of God. We're all called to be this, this preacher to one another. A lot of this happens in the family, doesn't it? A lot of it happens between father and, and children and mother and children and even between spouses, father or a husband and wife, as they share this message of forgiveness, as they, they go to one another and they uh, um, share with one another this opportunity to uh, pronounce the forgiveness of sins. That being said, the church isn't just made up of uh, a bunch of individual people who all just turn and share the forgiveness of sins. They come together as one body. And in the, the coming together as one body, coming together as one worshiping uh, entity, they then choose one person from among them who will do what it is that each of them could do on their own individually. It's what we call the corporate worship setting. It seems like a really big word, and it seems like it's a really uh, difficult concept, but it's really not. All it is is saying that we are going to ask one person to do for us in a public setting what we do for each other or should be doing for each other on a private setting. So to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, those people call, that would include you, call somebody to use the keys of the kingdom. Now, for those of you who don't remember in their confirmation classes what the keys of the kingdom are, the keys of the kingdom are the means of grace, those things to which we use to offer the forgiveness of sins. Quite literally, the keys of the kingdom are the binding keys and the loosing keys. Again, 
not difficult concepts, but maybe a little foreign to our speech. It is the the keys of the kingdom uh, quite literally are withholding the forgiveness of sins and offering the forgiveness of sins. So, in other words, we're asking somebody from the congregation to, or from the church body in which we are a part, to come and lead us in using God's law to condemn the sinful heart, withholding forgiveness if need be, and also offering the forgiveness in a very corporate and public setting to all people who confess their sins to the Lord, and then they, this person shares with them the grace of God seen through Jesus Christ as he pronounces the forgiveness of sins in the stead of Christ before the congregation as if you were doing this on a personal level. That is what essentially is the call of a pastor. Now, it is the responsibility of each congregation to call a pastor who hopefully is prepared to do that work. One who is prepared not only to lead the congregation in a corporate way, but is also one who is called to administer the means of grace, God's word and his sacraments for God's people for the forgiveness of sins. Now, in our settings, in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Church, we have schools, uh, predominantly the seminary, that teaches people to do that work. Now, according to our way of doing it, we feel very strongly that a person who is equipped for the ministry, and this is also scriptural, is one who is not a fresh convert to Christianity. So in other words, somebody who just just was in contact with God's Word, just had the Holy Spirit work in their heart, and and therefore think that, okay, I want to go and all of a sudden jump into the ministry. That is not who we would say, yep, you're ready for ministry. No, instead, what we do is we, we look at people, we watch them, we see them grow in their faith, and then they go to school, and, and their study is that of Scripture. Uh, we focus heavily on the Word of God, learning Greek and Hebrew so that we can read in the originals. We go through and we learn theology. We study from those who also had studied the Scriptures, and we learn from them not only what the Scriptures are, but a clear understanding of, of how we then approach the Scriptures. It is so easy to to sit down, open up the Scriptures, and, and can almost get lost, not because God's words are somehow uh, difficult to understand all the time, but because we get our own thoughts sometimes muddled inside what we should understand. And so we spend time looking and reading and researching those people who also knew God's Word, who also approached the Scriptures as we approach, who dealt with the things that we have dealt with. And we see how they approached God. God's word. And then with those words, we also can help look at our own so that we are not being led astray in the way that we help lead and guide our congregation. To that effect, we study heavily the book of Concord, which is the, the, the book uh, of, a, of collected material that, that really led the way through the Reformation where we had the reclaiming of Scripture. Now, we don't look at the book of Concord as this, uh, uh, the norm by which we guide our lives, but it is, it is the norm that comes from the scriptures itself. They're actually words that come from scripture, sort of 
wrapping them all up so that we don't have to go through every single portion of every single book of Scripture to prove this is what God says. In other words, the Reformers, they put into the book of Concord this wonderful, concise way of saying, okay, this is what Scripture says on this topic. And if you want to go back and look up all the different Scripture references, then here are all the Scripture references that you can go to that show this is what the Scriptures say. And so we study these books, and we study the Scriptures heavily so that we are prepared and equipped to lead lead God's people in one very important way, into God's Word. And that's really the job of the pastor. The pastor, or uh, in Greek, the prospiteros, the shepherd, the under-shepherd of the good shepherd himself, is tasked with the job of administering God's grace to God's people, to share with them the good news of salvation that they will not hear anywhere else in the world filled with laws. And so the pastor, he stands before God's people as one of them, trained to do the job, yes, but but still one of them, a servant to them in many respects, as he pronounces the forgiveness of sins, he pronounces the law that condemns the heart, the gospel that repairs it and lifts it up, as he gives the the opportunity to receive Christ's body and blood in bread and wine as he, he offers the Lord's Supper, as he baptizes children in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there the Holy Spirit works faith in the heart of that young child. These are all the things that the congregation calls the pastor to do. Among there, there's also the other tasks that have been relegated to the pastor, not because he is the only one that should do them, but because of his position, he is placed in a, in a, in a position to do them on behalf of the congregation. In one of those areas, it is to visit the shut-ins, to take God's word of grace not only to the people who join in church and come to the worship building, but to those who no longer can make it to the worship building because of infirmities or illness or whatever the case may be. And so the pastor then takes God's word with him as he goes and he takes the love of the congregation for these people who once were attending members and now cannot, and he brings church to them and he shares the means of grace with them. He opens the scripture to these people who need to hear it, who are unable to get out, and most of the time are not visited by anybody else. And so he brings God's word to them as well. Now, there are some congregations that believe that the pastor is called then to the community too, and that the pastor should be the one who is the figurehead and working within the community to to give the church a better name. Now, I don't disagree that the pastor should be a part of the community, but I believe very firmly that the pastor is called to the congregation in which he serves, not to the community to whom the church is found. In the community, the pastor is just a normal guy, just another person like anybody else. He is a Christian whose witness hopefully will shine through the life that he lives. He will go and participate in personal ministry like all Christians are called to participate in personal ministry. And it's really the people of the church who are responsible for reaching out into the community in which their church is found. If you think about it, at least in the circles for the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, 
we call our pastors and they move to these churches. The communities in which now these, these pastors are transplanted aren't their communities. They're not where they were born. It's not where they grew up. It's not where their parents live. In fact, they don't have family there. Hardly do they even have friends there until they've been in the congregation for some time. It's very difficult for that pastor to go out there and, and be a force within that community to, to help share the gospel of Christ and to share the love of the Savior with people who don't trust him and don't know him. And, and really the only respect he gets is the fact that some congregation in the community called him to come and, and serve them. And so it's really the responsibility of the congregation then to do ministry within the community, to reach out as, as individual people, the priesthood of all believers, and, and reach out to these people and bring them to church and, and share the love of Christ and say, we care about you. We want you to be with us. Come join us in our worship. Sometimes it's also been said in the congregation that it's the job of the pastor to go after the delinquent. And they say that it's the job of the pastor to, to do the delinquency work, those people who have fallen away from the church. Now, I'm not saying that the pastor shouldn't be involved in that work, but it's really, the, once again, the job of the congregation, those people who, who have a love for those who maybe have fallen away. They should be reaching out. They should be the ones who are going and saying, we miss you. And if you have questions that I can't answer, then let's bring the pastor in. Let's talk with him and let's have a conversation with him and let him help you, lead you back into the fold of Christ. That's really what the pastor's work is, not to make the first contact, but to be there to help guide, instruct, and encourage as he once again has an opportunity in a corporate way, in a public way, to share the love of Christ. Now, when you talk about the call, and we sort of get down to what is the call, many congregations and many denominations and, and different religious organizations have a different way on how they call. If you are part of the Reformed uh, camp, Methodists, uh, as well as I do believe the uh, Baptists and Nazarene, they, they usually do what is called like a hiring of their pastors. And I don't even know if they call them pastors in as much as they, they have coined them as preachers, and, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But they get this idea of hiring, so they'll sign a contract, and the, the preacher is contracted to do certain things. Uh, namely that they preach and they pray for people or whatever is in their contract. And when their contract expires, then they go somewhere else. I feel that this is, this is really a, a misinterpretation of the call that God has given to us because really the call that God has given to us is, is one that is a divine call, one that God gives through the calling body through the congregation. We call it an uh, 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 immediate call. Um, immediate call would be that God himself taps us on the shoulder as he did with Paul or the, the disciples and he tells us to go. We are called not by God himself who gives us a public call, but by a congregation who, who says we would like you to lead us in this public setting. By having this idea of a contract and this idea of, of we are hiring a pastor, 
The pastor's call no longer is, is one of authority given by God through God's people to practice and to administer the means of grace in the, the office of the keys, but now becomes one of, I'm catering to the people who are holding my contract so that I must make them happy so that I can keep my job. In the Wisconsin Synod, we go by a call, which is the congregation unanimously calls an individual to practice God's word among them, to administer the keys and the means of grace among them, which means that the congregation willingly, all of them as a voters group, uh, gives the pastor that they call the authority to use God's law to condemn sin, God's grace and uh, through the gospel to forgive sins on their behalf. It is a lifelong thing until the call is removed. So in other words, if you receive another call to another area and you switch your line of service or the congregation closes and your call no longer is valid, or for other reasons you make yourself, the pastor or the congregation, enable or unable to any longer uh, fulfill their call, then the call would be removed. But until then, the call remains with the pastor that the congregation has extended to them. And it is the pastor's responsibility to discharge the office of the ministry, to work for the, the, the congregation in serving them to the best of his ability to uphold his end of the call, namely to preach and to teach, to admonish, to administer the sacraments, to lead in worship, to visit the shut-ins, to train and equip the members for acts of service that they may go out into the community and be the lights that God has created them to be. And when you wrap all of that up into a nice tidy bow, it seems as if the office of the ministry is one of a, of a high calling, one of, uh, of, of great service, and it is. But I don't think that the office of the ministry is any higher than the callings that we have in any other vocation for any other person within the congregation. It's different. Yes, we're tasked with leading God's people. Yes, we have the opportunity to dive into Scripture on a daily basis and, and make it a part of our lives and the thing that we breathe in and out. But it's not any different than the call of a mother. And she brings God's law and grace and the gospel to her children every day as she tends to them. Or to the father who, as he interacts with his wife and his children, is a model of God's love for the family or for the individual who goes to work every single day and he or she involves themselves in the day-to-day -day basis and work of everybody else around and has an opportunity to, to share and lift high their Savior before the eyes of other people. And that just by doing their work and, and doing it well, they are giving an example of of a good Christian attitude and how they should interact with others. You see, I think all of us have unique callings. And yes, this October, we, we look at the pastor's calling and we say thank you to our pastors, and, and we do. They, they, they work hard. They work hard to bring God's grace to God's people. And yes, they deserve a thank you. But you know, we all deserve a thank you when we lift high God's word when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we have an opportunity to bring others before the foot of the cross and, and point to our Savior and say, here is, is the one that makes a difference in my life.
Here's the one who has saved me, who has become sin for me and for you and has died for me and for you. And that now in whose life I am saved and I have an opportunity to share that in everything that I do. For me, the ministry is the greatest thing I could ever possibly do with my life. It is the greatest blessing that I have had, not only for my family, but for the people that I serve. I have had an opportunity to grow with some of the greatest people and get to know some of the greatest Christians that I count as friends and brothers and sisters. And so for everybody who are members at Trinity, I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to be your pastor and to bring to you on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, yearly, the cross of Christ and Jesus Christ crucified for the proclamation and the opportunity to proclaim the forgiveness of sins to you and that you proclaim it to me. Thank you for that opportunity. This month and every month, as we get to gather together and continue our journey to the cross and to learn at the feet of our Savior Jesus Christ.